Food looks good. Yeah, that's delicious. Now, if only they could just get rid of all this Valentine's Day bullshit they got around here. All these streamers and hearts cut out of construction paper. It's all gaudy and ugly. What do you have against Valentine's Day, man? I, you know, it's just like this bullshit holiday. It comes every year. It's just another thing to get us to spend needless money on needless shit. I mean, like, if, you know, you're a happy couple, you don't need one day of the year for everybody to tell you to be in love with each other. It's stupid. I mean, you and your wife, you know, you you got a successful marriage, and I'm sure you love Valentine's Day because of that, but... She didn't text you back, did she? No! She didn't, man. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why she won't return my calls. I, and I, I don't know what's going on with me. I can't stop thinking about her it's like she's the only thing in my head you would think after being with three witches you would have learned by now I, it was just a small drink I don't know what she put in it but I think there was something in it man I've never felt this way before and I don't necessarily like it god there's a lot of pink in this room Elaine Elaine Dude, somebody stop him and bring him back over here. What a pussy. Welcome back to Radio Fear Macabre, and happy Valentine's Day. I'm your Cupid, Brandon, and here's my um, Will Smith uh, hitch, Justin. <laughs> well, hello, everybody, and I hope you have a happy Valentine's Day. Got my wife already some stuff for Valentine's Day. Really? No. Oh. Oh. Because we're recording this really early, but <laughs> at the point of when this comes out, yes. I, I'll, I'll definitely have something. <laughs> That's good that you have something. <laughs> what about you? What about me, Justin? <laughs> I'm single AF. Elaine didn't call me back. Yeah, I was about to ask, how are you okay? Uh, apparently I'm going to die soon because of the... Whatever was in that drink. Well, at least you're not crying uncontrollably anymore. Yeah, uh, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's wore off a little bit. But today, obviously, we're talking about the Love Witch. Woo! Love me. Love me. Love me. Uh, really, really, really good movie. 
I enjoyed the hell out of it a lot more than I thought I was going to. The cinematography in this. Excellent. A excellent. I haven't seen a movie using 35 millimeter footage. Oh, yeah. Throughout the whole one. Like, it's, this was made in 2016, but it looks and feels like a 70s or 60s movie. Yeah, like late 60s. It, it's kind of the feel of it. Um, like, when I first saw it, I was thinking, oh, is this an older movie? And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, that's the thing. Okay, so this movie is directed, written, produced. Um, Everything. Yeah, every, <laughs> the, the set designer, art director, editor, music director. The amazing Anna Biller. Her inspiration for this movie wasn't exactly movies from the era it looks like it's from, but it's actually her inspiration was uh, from movies that those movies from that time period would have been inspired by. Ah. Oh. Yeah. She explains that in an interview. Uh, she said she wasn't really going for the 60s, 70s vibes. She was, go she was being inspired by uh, the 40s and 50s movies that those movies would have been inspired by. But it comes out, you know, the same. as like looking like it's... And feeling like it's a late 60s movie. Like, you could put this side by side with, like, Rosemary's Baby, and uh, it looks pretty similar. Yeah. All those colors pop, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. So much red. A lot of really great art direction from her. But, yeah, we got a lot to say about this movie. Um, some good things we like. Some things that was kind of, meh. What? Oh, do you have meh? The ending. Oh, well. Actually, I have an explanation <laughs> for that. So, we'll, well, get, we'll get into uh, that in a bit. Well, we can share our g general thoughts when it first happened. We oh, were like, what yeah, the yeah, fuck? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I... I but when we do, I have an explanation for that. But before we get too much into our main topic, we're going to do the horror headlines in a little bit. But first, before we even get to that, as you guys know, this season's coming to an end. And uh, next month is our last month of doing it for this season. We're going to take a two-month break, and we'll be back in June. So I don't ask this often, but if you listen to this and you enjoy our podcast, uh, give, us, give us some good ratings and reviews. Uh, you can now do... Uh, five-star based uh, reviews on Spotify now. That's a new thing. Help us, please. <laughs> um, it's just... We're pouring along. Yeah, if if we're going to be gone for two months, it's more important now than ever that we get some ratings, some good reviews and stuff like that so we can stay relevant somewhat. And here's to say, we have some good reviews and ratings. We might, some possibly... In between seasons, we could pop up and do like a surprise bonus episode. Yeah, yeah. I say we're, we're taking two months off, but really we're going to be working. At our normal jobs, plus getting prepared. Ready for season two. So it's not really a break for us, but uh, it's, a, it's a needed break from posting. So yeah, please, if you enjoy the show, give us some good reviews and ratings. Click that bell. Don't forget <laughs> to subscribe. Uh, it would help us out a lot. We love doing this show for you guys. I mean, if nobody was listening, we wouldn't be doing it anymore. Yeah, for real. So, uh, if you guys like us, help us stay relevant while we're gone, and uh, that would be great. Anyway, off to the horror headlines. Here's your horror headlines on Radio Fear Macabre. Trailer after trailer.
after trailer after trailer that has come out here recently. We have a trailer for a new interview with the vampire. We have a trailer for Jordan Peele's next movie, Nope. We got a new trailer for the upcoming Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. Dario Argento's new Dark Glasses, Blumhouse's new Firestarter film, A24's new film Men, and for two movies that may or may not be horror, Jurassic World Dominion and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, from what I hear it's trying to go a horror route, if that counts. But anyway, we have a ton of new trailers that's <laughs> just coming out all at once. It's around that time of year where this does start to happen. And in the spirit of that, we have a trailer to release to you guys for our next big project that we're working on starting in March. We've titled it Fear in the Faith. Here it is. Forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. This March. I cast you out! Join Radio Fear Macabre. I am here to protect thee. In their first major event. He arranged things because he wanted you to be the mother of his only living son. Through the whole month. Yeah, we will share out our sentence. They will be discussing media centered around the world's oldest boogeyman. God is dead! Satan lives! Join us for Fear in the Faith. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Hokey, I know, but it's just to give off a vibe of what we're going for here. And uh, I'm very excited for this project. I've been coming up with it for a while now. So I hope you guys are looking forward to that in March. Uh, this is upsetting. Literally, right now, as I'm recording the horror headlines, um, the news just broke out. Director Ivan Reitman has passed away. As most of you know, he uh, was the director of the Ghostbuster films. And you may know personally my favorite films of all time. From what I understand, he passed away peacefully. I, I am just now, f literally, as, as I'm doing this... Uh, I just got a notification on my phone. He was an amazing director, mostly known for Ghostbusters, but he worked on a number of comedic films. Uh, wow, I'm <laughs> kind of blindsided by this. Uh, rest in peace, Ivan Reitman. Thank you for all of your work and dedication to what you do and for helping to craft my favorite work of fiction of all time and what has influenced me throughout the years. Thank you very much. Next up in horror headlines, uh, coming off the hype from the new Scream film, which we have reviewed last month, if you guys haven't already checked that out. It did very well in the box office. It was kind of going neck and neck with uh, Spider-Man sales at the time, not overall sales, because that movie is, um, I think, still on its way to becoming the highest grossing film of all time. But Scream did very, very well, earning $30 million in the U.S. during the three-day weekend that it came out, uh, 18 million worldwide. Globally, it made 52 million. Cost 25 million to make. So pretty good. Nev Campbell announced that she would return to the Scream films as Sydney, of course, given one circumstance uh, that Sydney doesn't die. So it's kind of interesting to see that even after all these years, she is still willing to play this role. One of, you know, 
our favorite roles of hers as long as her character doesn't die. So that's pretty cool. But that's it for the horror headlines. Now on to our main topic, The Love Witch. Here's the trailer, folks. After Jerry died, the cops wouldn't stop harassing me. They couldn't prove anything. They actually thought that I killed him. Anyways, San Francisco got to be a really bad trip after you left. And that's when I remembered you had that extra apartment. Hey. Hi, I'm Trish. Hi, Trish. Well, what do men want? Just a pretty woman to love and to take care of them. Love me. Love me. What I'm really interested in is love. You might say I'm addicted to love. You want to take a girl up there now? <laughs> you want some? What is it? Well, I met this great looking guy, and I used love magic on him. And he got really weird on me. All these emotions started flowing out of him. Then he got really sick. What is it, Wayne? What is it, baby? What a pussy. What a baby. Wayne. Witchcraft is just a way of concentrating energy. You can only work with what's already there. I just use sex magic to create love magic. <laughs> Sometimes it's almost scary how strong the love gets. And sex magic, of course. What did you think of that trailer? Pretty much showed the whole movie. The entire movie. <laughs> uh, for for the people that uh, haven't seen it and only just heard the audio, even though the audio also gives a lot away too. Yes. Uh, the scenes, every scene, every important scene for that movie is pretty much in that trailer. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it's, the, it's trailers. That's just how they do trailers. Getting into this movie, as we said for writer, director, producer, art director, set designer, editor, music director, Anna Biller, right? She this is this is her brainchild, basically. Every 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 ounce of this is all her. She did Viva before this, and she did a lot of the heavy lifting on this, obviously. She's got a really good online presence as well. She's like kind of like a Quentin Tarantino. Obviously, she's an auteur. She her style is all over this. And it is like it consists, this movie consists of her style, essentially. She knows a lot of abstract movies and foreign films like Tarantino does. We'll get into that in a bit. Playing our protagonist, Elaine, is Samantha Robinson, 
She does really good. Her performance and her looks in here is compared a lot to Barbara Steele from Mario Bava's Black Sabbath. I think she does an amazing job. I agree with you on that. They picked the perfect actress for mm. this. She literally looks like she would have been in a 60s sitcom. Yeah, yeah. She's she kind of like bewitched. Bewitched or I Dream a Genie. A classic uh, Morticia Adams. Ooh. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, and um, with her. And Samantha Robinson. <laughs> Samantha Robinson. With her is Laura Waddell. She plays Trish, which is Elaine's friend, who uh, kind of gets the shit into the stick in the events of this movie. <laughs> Pretty much throughout the whole movie, yes. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> and the love interest of the movie, the hunky detective, is played by Gian Keys. Forgive us if we pronounce her wrong. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Name is Griff. Yeah, his, his name's Griff. Apparently, in the interview with Anna Biller from Joe Bob, somebody commented that uh, he looked like a model for the, the cover of those romance novels, and he actually was. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just kind of lucked out. She didn't specifically ask for that, but he just showed up when, when she was doing the casting. There you go. Lucky break. We have Robert Seeley, who plays Richard, who's Trisha's husband. Kind of has a 13 Reasons Why ending to him. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, literally... He slits his wrists. In the tub. Yeah. Which is what... Well, I wouldn't know that, but... Oh, you've never seen... No. I, we we uh, talked yeah. about this on an episode. Yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't need to see that. Yeah. Offs himself at the end of the movie because he's so in love with Elaine, which um, if he didn't, he probably would have died from some other way because of the love magic. That's some powerful shit. That's some stout shit. Love so hurts so good that they want to kill themselves. Yeah. Love hurts... Love stinks. Yeah, yeah. Or that. <laughs> then there's Jared Sanford, who plays as Gahan, who is the leader of the coven that Elaine is in. Also, yeah, he's a bit touchy and a bit manipulative. Handsy. Handsy. He's a bit handsy. Um, and he likes to... He, he, he is misusing his power. Yeah. Obviously. And his position. And his uh, partner, who is like the grand priestess as well, Barbara, played by Jennifer Ingram. Very attractive lady. Gorgeous eyes. She does a great job here playing kind of like that mysterious, the mysterious mistress. And hey, some of this music in this film is fucking done by Ennio Morricone, one of my favorite movie composers of all time. I didn't know that until I was researching this. I didn't notice it. Good and bad, the ugly for all you Western fans out there. Clint Eastwood, the, uh, the, uh, uh. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, that's him. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> so his music is used in this movie quite a bit. You're probably hearing it in the background right now. Uh, I like on oh, one of the songs he uh, he does like a little touch at the end um, of the when the when the track is done, it kind of like smoothly flows into a little bit of Beethoven's Fiorellisi right at the end. So that's pretty cool. Let's talk about the 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 look of this film and the feel of this film. Obviously, they're kind of like going for a a vibe of a of a certain time period kind of feel and the thing that i liked about this movie going on to that 60s feel you didn't even realize until 75 percent of this movie was other it was like this is in current time yeah yeah uh it's this is actually it's it's set i guess it was done in 2016, so I guess it's set in 2016? Yeah, because they're using current cars. Yeah. You just didn't notice until... Well, I noticed it before Brandon did. It's all in current time. It's just Elaine uses an older car. 
Yeah. It's a nice car. <laughs> oh, it's a really nice Mustang. Red Mustang. Yeah. Yeah. When we saw that car, we were both like, red car. Good point. So the look and the feel of this film, it kind of gives off the vibe of late 60s, early 70s sexploitation films. But apparently that is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, according to Anna Biller, this film was uh, compared a lot to 70s sexploitation films. Her inspirations for this film actually comes elsewhere. Uh, I have a list here. Shout outs to Kyle Colgreen for this list. He did a, uh, a, a video on YouTube. You can go check it out. Brows held high. The films Anna Biller has noted as inspiration for her movies are Gertrude from 1964, Leave Her to Heaven from 1945, Black Narcissus from 1947. That one specifically, I've seen Black Narcissus. It reminds me of the devils. That one, uh, the main character from Black Narcissus is a big inspiration for Elaine in this movie. The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant from 1972. Paul Daan from 1971. Jean Delmon from 1975. And in general, late Hitchcock, though some earlier Hitchcock stuff as well, like Psycho. Uh, a lot of, uh, you could see that a lot yeah. in like her talking directly while looking into the camera. Yes. A lot like Psycho. And is, that scene is like, they'll say she kind of her driving in the, um, yeah, in that the car. Yeah. Her driving in the car in that area kind of gives me the birds vibe. Yeah. And Psycho. And Psycho. Uh, early on in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right in the beginning. Anna Biller, she is very quite steeped in the knowledge of cinema and um i don't want to say she's a show off <laughs> but uh she definitely loves using that knowledge to influence her films as you should did uh, a damn good job yes very very good job what what is your what were your first thoughts early on watching this movie first thoughts was um first when i first saw it i thought it was a 60s or 70s film yeah <laughs> that was how well done the cinematography was because I was one of the first things I was going to ask you while watching the movie is like what year was this made <laughs> I was, I was going to take a guess this was made in like 1970 1968 movie 2016 somebody had a cell phone <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's when I noticed that it, that it was modern is when she pulled out the cell phone I'm like that's a cell phone yeah that's why I was like yeah this is in modern times oh Okay. <laughs> and I said, didn't you notice the two 2016 BMW that... No, I didn't. Trish was driving? No, I didn't at all, actually. <laughs> the brand new car. I wasn't paying attention to the cars very heavily, I guess. That's what I liked the most about this movie. The cinematography, the costume design. Yeah. It's taking a vibe from a previous period in cinema, but applying it to today. I think that's what I liked the most about it. Yeah. It's different, and I haven't seen nothing, anything like that before. Yeah, it is. It is a, a, a refreshing type of movie. It was like, oh, something so different, and a lot of what's different from this movie, I think, is it's it's a movie where I had the same vibe when I first saw it, just like Sin City and stuff, where I had that different type of film style. Oh yeah, uh, I'm I'm talking like tonally. Yeah. Th this movie. Uh, less less than aesthetic though. It's aesthetic is amazing. Tonally, this movie is like a woman's perspective type movie. Yeah, guys are pigs, man. Yeah, but you know, it also <laughs> it also shows women. They're they're not fucking perfect either. Oh no. Yeah, and I, I love it. It's, it. it's a feminist movie. Anna Anna Biller has said 
She's gone on record uh, when she was talking with Joe Bob says she doesn't believe that she made a feminist film uh, because she's not trying to convert people. It's not propaganda or anything like that. I would argue, I know she's the creator, so her word is final on this film, but I would argue that you don't have to make a propaganda type film for it to be feminist. It's just, it, it has feminist morals and viewpoints and stuff like that without shoving it down your throat. It's not like a Lifetime movie. Yeah, no, it's definitely <laughs> not like a Lifetime movie. Uh, and I myself, I you know, I would consider myself a feminist. She She's taking a very, I, I don't want to say secular, but a very secular role uh, or uh, 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 approach with this film. The guys in this movie, she made the guy, in my opinion, she made the guys in this movie look like cavemen who were dumb as fuck. All they thought about was their dicks. Except Griff. Except Griff. Yeah. But all the rest of them, um, they were like, treated them like they were idiots. All they wanted was sex, and they were just like cavemen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's cavemen, but they were definitely... Literally, right when she's walking down the street, you see all the... Every guy in this movie, except for Griff, which was shown in a negative light, like all the guys whistling at her, and this is people that didn't even give her the... She didn't even give the potion to. Yeah. All the guys were like, whew, whew, yeah. Well, pretty much all the women were given, were put in a negative light as well. Like Barbara, not so much. But Trish, Clueless, and, I mean, Elaine. <laughs> this whole movie is about how not great she is. So I want, I want to say that aspect that you're talking about in this movie. It's not actually like commentary on men today. It's more commentary on men in movies from the time period that this this film's trying to uh, depict or give you the feeling of, right? So 2016 men. No, the 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 feeling that this is trying to so like from movies from like the 70s, the oh, 60s. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, and how cinema was so focused on masculine things and masculine interests in films. Toxic masculine. Well, not necessarily toxic masculinity, because this is—it's uh, not necessarily a bad thing for a film to focus on stuff like that men would like. But it is kind of negative when we mostly focus on movies that were historically masculine rather than feminine. I think this is just commentary on how old films were mostly just made for men. Well said. Yeah, and that's how—that's why the men act the way they do in here. And all of them's clueless except for Griff. I have I, I quite enjoy Griff's character. Uh, he is not having no shit. <laughs> nope. He was getting a little like in his own head for a little bit, but he snapped the fuck out of it. And his whole character, I think, was uh, between him and Elaine. There there was like this budding of, of of interest and budding of heads, where he was hyper rational type male, right? Where uh, he wasn't led by his emotions on anything. Uh, it was all by rationale which is really annoying to a woman like Elaine who's led by emotion with no rationale. Yeah. Leading her to do the shit that she does. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's very yin-yang right there, which I think was a really interesting take in this movie to have these two characters almost fall in love with one another. Yeah, they almost did to the point, but she, would, she didn't even use the potion on him. Nope, there was a spell involving him keeping them together keeping them together but not necessarily making them fall oh off. shit that kind of explains the ending though a little bit yeah 
Because that's the reason why he was just... Uh, when he lays back down in the bed? Yeah. Yeah, um, that actually is a reference to another movie. Still stupid, though. Jesus yeah. Christ. But it's, it's yeah. we'll get to that in a second. Oh, uh, I mean... What'd we, you think of the, uh, the medieval scene? That medieval scene was directly inspired by that one really French word, but we... Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the French movie. <laughs> the the I really loved the the Renaissance scene. It was I think where the color usage was the best out of the whole movie. Uh, I quite liked the jester's outfit. It just popped with how red it was. I just like the medieval times in general. Yeah, it was it was it was it was a nice scene. But uh, I think we are kind of skirting around like what we should mostly talk about in this episode. Is it horror? <sighs> that was a very sensual moan there, Justin. Well, that's pretty much what this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> Just a... Uh, love uh, me. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm keeping this in. <laughs> love me. Okay. Maybe a little bit. I actually, wait, no, if I take the Griff stance. No, I can't love you. That's going to ruin me. <laughs> Is it horror? Uh, Obviously, this movie's not total horror. It has horror elements. Yeah. I, I would Witchcraft. Um, she's killing folks. Yeah. Well, actually... There, there are parts in this movie where I will say it goes full horror. But it's more of a... What can I say? Drama? I think it is the most romantic horror movie we're going to get. <laughs> it, it's a bit of a romantic drama. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, obviously... More, more of a romantic horror movie than uh, Warm Bodies? Yes, I would say. <laughs> uh, like, her whole thing is that she's killing men. But she just wants love. But she just wants love. It is like a romantic drama mixed exactly with horror. And I'll, I'll say it's a pretty even matching of those things as well. It's not meant to be a scary movie. Ah, I mean, it's kind of scary to me, right? Like, getting just, like, drugged by a woman and killed. And it's realistic. <laughs> that, that's terrifying. That is a terrifying concept. I'm talking about, like, stuff that just jumps out and like, oh. Well, no, it doesn't have jump scares, but... Uh, I think the concept is terrifying on both ends, really. Especially in real life, if you ever dealt with witches before, it could be really scary. Yeah, <laughs> that bit, Brandon. In, that bit in the skit wasn't a lie. <laughs> that wasn't just for the funnies. I've dated three witches. I don't know much about witchcraft after dating three witches, though. As far as I'm aware, they only use their magic after the breakup, not before. <laughs> Uh, which is not great for me, but... That explains everything. It absolutely does. <laughs> You're cursed, man. I am. Um, the sex, man. There is there is a lot of sex and nudity in this Lots film. Lots of penises and <laughs> boobs. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of male and female. Tallywhackers. Jesus. As, but, as what uh, Joe Bob would say. Yeah. When he said it was like, what, six tallywhackers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of male and female nudity in this, but it's not... It's meant to tell a story. Yeah, it's not used to... Exploitative. It, yeah, it's not in an exploitative way. It's it's not used to be like, oh, this is hot, you know? Uh, or, oh, wow, look at look at the naked people, you know? Most of the nudity in the film is for just rituals and shit. Yeah, I think it's presented in a very tasteful and mature fashion. Yeah, the only part in the movie that's like... Where there's nudity, sort of, and sexual is just the parts with 
Elaine. Was she seducing people? Was she stripping? Which it was, it was hot. It, it was nice, but it, it's not. It's not meant for that. You know, it's Honor. it's um she she's in the middle of seducing someone. So yeah, uh, <laughs> and she's effective with it. But uh, I think this movie handles stuff like that very respectfully. Yeah, and tastefully. They could have got a lot raunchier with the sex, but they didn't, so that was good. Yeah, uh, and that's the whole thing. This is this is not meant for like the male gaze sort of movie. Uh, it's this is movie I think for everybody to enjoy, but it's done through a woman's perspective. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, going back to uh, even though I dated three witches, I don't know much about witchcraft. We watched a video from a channel called Witchway, spelled like witch and she went over the accuracy that this had with witchcraft actual wicca beliefs and all of that and turns out yeah this uh this movie actually pays like really good respects to that belief as well of witchcraft and wicca it's like a whole like type of religion basically well yeah yeah wicca is a, a religion the only thing she didn't agree with was how the main wiccan guy acting well yeah but that was purposefully his character he was abusing his power yeah uh he 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 he's the uh the headmaster or the leader of the coven he's the double door and he uh he he uses that position just to touch him some girls and do what he wants uh you see that a lot with uh, the characters star and moon the, the sisters in, yeah. the, in the movie he's gonna teach he was excited about teaching them sex magic and dancing so uh kind of sleazy fella <laughs> yeah pretty pretty fucking sleazy yeah I think he was the one who gave uh, Elaine the idea to be dancing did he yeah because after they talked about the, they were at that club and girl was dancing I'm not for sure if it was him or if it was another it was the uh, mistress, headmistress. Barbara. Barbara. Yeah. It was her that uh, talked her into doing the dancing, because that was when yeah. she uh, did the dancing to uh, her friend's husband. Yes. Let's let's, let's get into, into that. Uh, Elaine's insatiable need for love and her carelessness with her targets. Bottomless plate of love, man. Yeah. She, it's uh, never enough. She she wants love. She she's obsessed with love, as she said, addicted. Addicted to love. Yeah, <laughs> might as well face it. Uh, she she's addicted to it, and she does. I mean, that's what the whole movie's about. She's careless with her magic. She's potentially killed her ex husband, fiance. His ex husband. Uh, uh, yeah, before the movie starts. That's why she was on the run. Yeah, as she was nervous as fuck when the cop pulled her over. Yeah, when the movie opens up, she's on the run, very psycho style, Alfred Hitchcock. But this was because she was around when her husband died. She's, and it, we're led to believe it was because of a, a love potion gone wrong or something like that. Though it it never really says the potential that she didn't actually kill him. He might have just died. I think she did. Uh, yeah, I think she did too. But <laughs> I'm just saying there's there's room there for for doubt, you know. But she, she's careless with her magic. It leads to her killing off one other man and then another man going uh, insane in his love and killing himself, and that would be Trisha's husband. She didn't kill the first guy she was with, though, did she? The love potion killed him, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. She just poisoned him. Yeah, well, 
I she didn't mean to kill him. I don't think. Is she? I mean, maybe she poisoned him, but she she was putting stuff in his food. Yeah. The next day, but I I I don't know. It's kind of like vague if she was meaning to kill him because uh, as she said, he was a pussy. But I think Anna Biller actually said it in her interview with Joe Bob that. Uh, the, the reason he died was because he was as open to emotions as a man, uh, as open to emotions as women are. And she said the whole thing of like, if men were as, um, felt as much emotion as women do, it would kill them. Wow, there you go. <laughs> so that's why he died. His heart exploded with emotion. What I get out of all that is that, to me, for this movie, it seems the story is it's a witch who's addicted to love and her addiction to love is what causes her to go insane crazy yeah and that's what leads her to the dark well she goes insane i would i would argue it's it's possible she was already insane she didn't go insane because of the the magic or the the love i think maybe her obsession with love comes from the fact that she was already a bit crazy I can see that. Her views on love is unrealistic. Yeah. Um, she has a very specific mind of like what love should be and would be and is. And if it, if she receives love from a man and it's not exactly how she like imagines it should be, then she, she's done with that person. And she gets really judgmental on them, which I would say, you know, like what, what, like, I just wonder what she's expecting out of a man that she falls in love with uh, because him showing emotion too much to her she sees as weak if you fall in love with a person and get really close to them and intimate like she's wanting to do everyone's going to show their weaker side to you eventually like it's like she was wanting an alpha male i guess i look but, <laughs> yeah like, it's just pure fantasy for her right yeah because every man if if you're with a woman right and you fall in love with them. That's your life partner. You're going to show them all sides of you. You're going to show your sensitive side. Yeah. And she doesn't want to see that, apparently. The reality of love will never live up to her fantasy. Bingo. And that's a problem for any man that she's interested in. Because they're going to wind up dead because of that. And she goes after Richard, who is the husband of her friend. Because she's so selfish in her need to fulfill this fantasy. And she had that immediately when she saw him. It's like yeah. every guy she sees, she just gives him that look. And it always, every time she gives him that, that cat eye, that cat eye stare, it always, I like the camera view where it just zoomed right into her eyes. Yeah, very classic cinema type uh, cinematography. Uh, zooms in her eyes, dramatic music. Zooms into the guy's eyes as he's like, what the fuck? Clearly he's feeling something for her. She's like, and she kind of explains it too. She's pushing her will into him. onto him. Because that's what witchcraft is, is uh, the proper use of your will. So she's already like hypnotizing him, sort of. In a way, yeah. But, you know, in, in, in the same way in real life where like a woman gives you a certain look, you're just kind of like, oh, hey. <laughs> uh so that kind of hypnotism, yeah. She she fuck, fuck me eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. But she she's so selfish in all of this and, and doesn't care about repercussions. Uh as she'll take her only friend she has in this town, Trish, and seduce her husband. Fucked up part was her friend Trish 
was uh, telling her, yeah, I got to go out of town. She's like, oh, is your husband going with you? No. Yeah, her, her first question. <laughs> like, literally, and you're like, ooh. Yeah, we knew where that was going. Yeah. Especially from that. Oh, I, I, knew, I knew as soon as the eyes was over, I was like, oh, yeah, she's going to get them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she she loses interest in him after he falls for her. He becomes obsessive and tries calling her a lot and all that. And she's like done with it. Uh, and he winds up taking his own life, razor blades to the wrists in the bathtub. And before he even did that, he was a, like such an asshole to his wife, Trish. Yeah, because of his obsession. Yeah, he's just like... Because, yeah, because of the love potion and the obsession. Um, but before that, from what I understand, like they had an okay marriage. Yeah, it was fine. There was some problems there, but it was like an okay marriage. So a normal marriage. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there was some doubts. No uh, such thing as a perfect marriage. Yeah. But, I mean, there was, like, some doubts from Trish of, like, uh, about her husband. I, more so, there was doubts from him. Was, like, sometimes I feel like Trish wants to get away from me. That's normal marriage. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, there, if there's no such thing as a perfect marriage, and if any person or friends of you, of y'all, that says they're in a perfect marriage, they're full of shit. <laughs> Yeah, it all takes work, and that's something Elaine doesn't get. Nope. The first sign of trouble, she's like, I'm out. <laughs> yep, and you're going to die. And you're going to die. But she does fall for, for Griff, who was uh, on her trail, you know, uh, as, he's as he's investigating the murder of the guy that took her to the cabin, and they find her witch's bottle filled with some herbs, her urine, and a used tampon. Which, when we first saw this, I thought, like, oh, it's no big deal. They can't figure out who it is. Because I thought it was set in, like, the 60s or 70s. Uh, but then I found out, oh, it's actually set in, like, 2016. I'm like, well, they're going to DNA test the piss and or the, the, blood. the tampon. And it's just going to... That's, like... And he explains it. Because when, he, when he's in the uh, bar with Elaine, he's like... Got back all the DNA, DNA tests from that witch's bottle. It's all you. Uh, like that. That kind of blows my mind. Like, but I, it blows my mind knowing you know now that this was set in 2016. Why would you leave a bottle full of your DNA on top of a dead body? I don't think she cared. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> she just thought she was like invincible. I guess literally peed in a bottle and put her menstrual blood in it. And just left it in on top of a dead body. So she falls for Griff. She she saw in in her tarot cards uh, his image, and she's like, "Oh, this is going to be the guy that I'm going to marry." Mm -hmm. And uh, they <laughs> he's like investigating a murder at her house, questioning her, and she asks him out on a date, and he's like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> And I, like, I'm really disappointed in Griff at this point. I'm like, dude, you're in the middle of an investigation. Yeah, you were saying the same She's thing. your prime suspect. <laughs> and then they go to the, to the uh, medieval party, which her whole cult's there. Yeah, the, the Renaissance fair that her coven is organizing. And they're like, where did this mock wedding? He's like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's not a real wedding. Don't worry. Don't worry. They have a mock wedding. There's some songs about unicorns and lucky charms. Very cheesy. Unbeknownst to him, during that ceremony, they did a spell on him. Did they? 
Yeah, that spell where they were like had to stay together. Wasn't that during? No, that? no, that wasn't during that. That was later, when they oh, had they showed another scene. Well, yeah, when they had her laid down in a picture of him on her chest, and they were circling around her. Oh, yeah. That was that spell. They did. They just did a traditional bonding uh, marriage thing. I don't think it's a spell though. They went to this Renaissance thing. There was music. There was a, a sick ass jester there who was funny. Yeah. <laughs> In the middle of an investigation with a prime suspect. <laughs> but while they're there, you hear their inner monologues, right? And she's talking about how she's obsessed. She's thinking about how she's obsessed with love. Love can conquer all things and all that. And then it goes to his inner monologue. And he's like, I don't care about love. I'll <laughs> never fall in love. Love makes you weak. And it blinds you from the important things in life. And I'll lose my edge if I ever fall in love. <laughs> it's the most terrifying thing that can happen to a man. I'll never let a woman do that to me. It's it, just going back and forth. Yeah. And we're just like, whoa, boy, these two are not meant to be together. <laughs> <laughs> Polar opposites. It's like when you see two people that shouldn't be dating. We've all seen it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're just waiting. It's like, this is going to be ugly at the end. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows it. <laughs> Lots of foreboding in this movie. Throughout the whole movie, you see paintings of ladies standing over a man stabbed in the heart with a dagger. And she's working on that painting the whole movie. The whole movie. Yeah. And our tarot cards right before hearts with the swords, hearts with the swords or daggers in them. Yeah. After it shows that, it shows that the man's dead. Yeah. Seeing all those scenes, you're like, hmm, she's gonna end up stabbing somebody in the heart. Yep. <laughs> and boy, does it happen. Yep. Our grand finale in the movie, uh, Griff saves her from a almost witch burning. Burn the witch! Burn the witch! Yeah. Burn the witch! They're at the uh, the burlesque club bar. Burn the witch! <laughs> and uh, people start chanting, burn the witch, because uh, Griff is talking, like, uh, he's figured it out. They did the DNA. She was the one who killed that guy. So he's confronting her on this, and then people overhear it, and they say, you're the witch that killed that guy! Burn the witch! As you were so excitedly burn the witch <laughs> and, and uh he they they run out of there they get attacked even griff gets attacked by this mob that's trying to burn her at the stake in 2016 and sexually assault her. and sexually assault her some guys were like taking off their belts and both of us yeah. are like hey now yeah whoa they're, they're about to gang her yeah yeah you could burn her don't do that keep keep it in your skivvies boys yeah, it was about to get real bad. Yeah. He saves her, quote, quote. And they run out and go back to her place. They have a spell under them from the coven where they can't leave each other at this point. And he's just sitting there silent, pissed. And he, yeah, and he, I like what he, what he says here while they're sitting on the bed and she's talking about love and he goes, you don't know what love is. Whatever your idea of love is, it's all messed up. You... You're, it's fantasy. It's fantasy. You'll never get enough love. And, you know, that's when you said a bottomless pit of love. Uh, and he just straight up tells her how it is. It's like, I don't love you. I don't love you. I don't love you. It's like really hurtful way to say it, too. I don't love you. Uh, uh, but he said pretty much everything under, sun, under the sun except calling her insufferable. Yeah. And she goes to her mirror, and she's looking in the mirror, 
and he lays down and then she takes the dagger and stabs him several times in the chest. Griff! <laughs> Uh, and, you know, and, and there's Don't, this, you're not supposed to kill people. There, there's this whole thing after she kills him where, like, she has, like, this inner monologue and, like, a fantasy. She's, like, in her head with this fantasy where, you know, it's, like, her and Griff back at the Renaissance. How they're dressed up at the Renaissance. And he's like, I love you. You know, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But that last scene where he lays down... And he acts so shocked that he stabbed her. What the hell was he expecting that happened? Well, that last scene was uh, a reference to Jean Delmon um, from 1975. There's a scene in there where a woman is at her dresser with a mirror getting ready to have sex with a man she doesn't want to have sex with. And he just lays down. And that scene plays out. She, you know, goes to the bed and then... He forces herself onto her. Um, but this is like, she goes to the bed in this movie and kills him. So Straight up basic instinct is ass. Yeah, so like twist, it's, uh, twist put, put that scene that it's referencing on its head. Mm-hmm. And instead of subjecting herself to uh, sex that she's not wanting, she kills the man. Has the the fantasy of him in her head forever. I was a little disappointed in that scene. It was just sudden. And I was expecting a little more. I thought she was literally gonna dagger and the heart was gonna come out of the day. Pull the heart out? Yeah. I, I, I thought the heart was gonna come out too. Yeah, just start eating it or some shit. Well, I didn't expect her to eat it, but I expected her to pull the heart out. But no, it was just a few neat neat. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just a few neat neat. <laughs> About three or four neat neat. It, it was like really bloody too. Yeah. Yeah, like really bloody. <laughs> they had a huge bloody hole in his chest. And then the movie ends. Just like that. Yeah. I guess leaving it open for a sequel. Doubt. She's planning on making a supernatural movie, though. Uh, supernatural yeah. horror. Yeah. She wants a, a dark horror. She wants to do a dark horror with no romance, she said. Yep. It's going to be just straight up scary shit. I'm excited to see what that turns into. But yeah, that's The Love Witch. Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Uh, I love this movie. Uh, it was really good. I like the take that it has. I, I think in general, I just like Anna Biller and her style of making this movie. Autorness of it all. Just like the whole movie's just pasted with her signature style and everything. I think she did a really good job. I agree with you on that. I really enjoyed the movie. I like the cinematography of it. I've said a hundred times already, but yeah. I like the style it was used. Uh, the pacing of the story was very well done. Um, the only thing I didn't like as much was the ending. It seems like just kind of boom, rushed, done. Well, I won't say rush, but it was abrupt. It was okay. Yeah, that's why I meant to say it was a kind of an abrupt ending, which I don't particularly like in my movies, but. It is what it is. Hey, sometimes those abrupt endings are, like, really good, though. If you really liked abrupt endings, you should watch The Sopranos. <laughs> sometimes abrupt endings are, like, what hits the fucking hardest. And you're just like, whoa! <laughs> you definitely need to watch The Sopranos. I will watch The Sopranos. It's like you're watching in the middle of a scene and you're not thinking that the, the episode's about to end. The middle of the scene, all of a sudden, dark. Credits. Oh, fuck. It's abrupt. Love Witch... Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, recommend anybody to watch it. 
my expectations for it were low, but I was pleasantly surprised. It is and, it is a surprising film, yeah. Yeah, it's very surprising. I wasn't expecting much out of it, but damn, it was really good. And I'm starting to get I'm starting to enjoy doing and this is this is kind of off topic, but I like I'm starting to like doing these podcasts a lot more because it's expanding what I've watched in the past cuz I used to not watch I used to only watch certain types of horror movies. This is kind of expanding my palate. Yeah, yeah. To horror, you are you're you're a total uh, slasher. I was just mostly slasher. slasher. You're you're schlock jock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which I like some supernatural horror and stuff too, but it was mostly slasher for me. Yeah, I I love. We've we've always said this um, in this podcast. The balance we had uh, before Tony got his job was that you were our schlock jock. Tony was the guy who liked. Um, are, are more psychological thriller and thinking type movies and I was the guy in between uh, who I was just I, I loved all of it basically I mean growing up as a kid I mean that's what I thought a horror movie was was slasher yeah <laughs> like crazy guy kills yeah expand expanding the hero kills the hero the killer question mark maybe <laughs> until the next movie comes out next year yeah but I mean that's that's the good thing about doing a podcast like this expanding your horizons and, and experiencing all forms of horror uh, more than you're used to and uh, I love movies like this like The Love Witch like every movie we've watched so far I've enjoyed to a certain degree I think the only movie that I can say that I didn't like is a strong word because all of them I enjoyed a few episodes of Creepshow that was about it yeah, there were some things about Creepshow I wasn't into on season three. That's about it. I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of Candyman, Malignant. I enjoyed Superhost. Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. Halloween. Oh, Halloween, of course. Yeah. But, Scream. Well, Justin. Klaatu Vracta Nikto. And that's going to do it for us here at Radio Fear Macabre. And hey, that opening was just a skit. I don't really hate Valentine's Day. It's important for everybody to have that special day when we all have our lives and we kind of maybe forget about keeping special connections with special people. So go out there, be with your loved one, your partner or partners if you're Polly, and have a very happy Valentine's Day. And for this Valentine's Day, I did something a little special for you guys. I spoke with Adam Pierce contestant on season 13 of The Voice to close us out. Take it away. (laughs) 